We are in a series called Blurred Lines. Everybody say Blurred Lines. Blurred lines. <laughs> yeah, you weren't supposed to quite say it like that, but thank you. And uh, it, the premise of the series is that um, we live in a world that has confused um, some of the truths. And so we needed to go back to the scripture and see through the eyes of the word of the Lord to clear that up for ourselves and, and for our children and our grandchildren. And so as a result of that, we started the first week with um, where did we come from? And uh, 50, what was it, 57%, I think, of the population believes in evolution, that we, uh, Big Bang. Um, and then, of course, we went back to the scriptures and found out, nope, God created us in his image. And, uh, and held to that truth and cleared that up and, and talked about how the science of that was skewed. And, and then, of course, we had Dr. Dennis Lindsay come and do a uh, Saturday seminar uh, to just kind of go deeper in that with us. And it was great great time. And then last week, um, we asked the question, so can, um, will all the religions lead to heaven? Or is, is, are all religions good? I mean, if, they're all, if there is a great God, why wouldn't he make great many religions so that everyone can find him through that? And then we came back to the truth, no matter what um, is popular in the United States. Now we came back to the truth of the scriptures where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. And we looked at some of the other pieces of uh, of uh, other religions, and uh, and then we had a seminar with uh, with John, uh, Pastor John Hatcher, and uh, he came in and uh, taught us on Islam. In fact, we put on our on our kiosk out front uh, the secrets of Islam, and uh, uh, and and uh, about seven forty five uh, Saturday morning, he called me in a full on panic, and he said, uh, uh, "You put secrets of Islam out on the board out in front of the church." I said, "Well, yeah," and he goes, "Well, what if?" What if somebody Islamic thinks that we're talking bad about Allah or, uh, or Muhammad and they come in there and want to kill me? Because he's the one speaking, you know. <laughs> I said, uh, well, let me just remind you, you're in Texas. And probably everybody in that room's packing, so don't worry about it too much. <laughs> no, but some of our guys helped us, and it was a great seminar, and we had a great time. Well, today, uh, we're going to move into, uh, you know, I, I, I got an email from Lauren, who was playing bass, and uh, she's... Uh, She's big in, into music. She's a music teacher. And, and she said, uh, Pastor, I don't know if you realize, but uh, your title of your series, Blurred Lines, is actually a song with great controversy. And, uh, and uh, she said, you know, it was an older song. And I guess uh, Miley Cyrus performed it uh, at some award situation where she was all wicked and sexual and twerking. And that then took over. The twerking began. And she said, so I just want you to know, when you say Blurred Lines, you know, for those of us that are involved in pop culture, uh, that, uh, you know, it's hard to know that you're not talking about perversion. And, uh, and I said, well, it's interesting that you say that because um, we set this series in play in January. We determined what the Lord wanted us to minister and when he wanted us to minister. it. And, uh, and this particular lesson um, was set in place weeks and weeks and weeks ago. Uh, but today we are actually going to be, uh, we're actually going to minister to you on sexuality and uh, what the Bible says, not what culture says, but what the Bible says. We'll actually look a little bit at culture and see where we got to the place that we're at. Um, but we'll also look and clear up that in, uh, out of the scripture. I don't have an agenda other than having an agenda to teach you the word of God. And um, I will say this to you, though. I would ask uh, for your grace and your, I ask for your respect over the next this Sunday and next Sunday. Um, I, I know when you talk about sexuality uh, in the church, uh, many times uh, in the past, maybe your experience was that someone was dogmatic, someone was embarrassing, someone was uh, belittling, and, um, and that may be the case that you experienced, but I'm not that person. And, uh, and I would say this for you guys who don't know me, you don't know me. And so don't judge me based on your past filters 
or judge the Word of God based on what someone else said. Let's, let's judge the Word of God as it really is. And so I love you. Uh, I have committed myself to helping a generation that's confused sexually and, uh, and see God's power come through that. And uh, you'll see that out in this message. So open your heart, open your mind uh, to, to the Word of God and, and the way I delivered. Obviously, it's from my understanding, and, 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 uh, and I think it will help you. I will also say that, um, uh, you know, if you have children with you, I'm going to use verbiage and stuff that will not be wicked or concerning. Uh, but that will be uh, sexual, from homosexuality to to things like that, but I won't get into anything uh, that would cause you, my Lord, if they have a television, nothing I'll say today will uh, cause any problems. And uh, so with that being said, uh, could you give me a little bit of uh, help today by let's pray and ask God to do a great work in us and give us revelation and give us understanding so that we can walk uprightly with our God. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name uh, for, for me, first and foremost, Lord, that I would present your word as you desire it. Um, not as I want it, but as you desire it. And Lord, number two, I pray that the hearers of this word, by whether being live here with us in, uh, in the services, or Lord God, are hearing it by way of podcasts, or because somebody sent it to a friend. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that their hearts would be open to you and to your word, Lord God, and that you, Lord God, would bring us to a place where we can walk uh, confidently that, that our sexuality is in right order with the God that we serve. And we pray right now in Jesus' name for uh, an, uh, an awareness of, uh, of what's been um, mishandled and misappropriated and the lines that have gotten blurred. And, Lord, we ask you to clean it up as we look through the lens of the Scripture. May it become clear to us in Jesus' name. And everybody shout it. Amen. Our key scripture today is right out of the book of Thessalonians. If you'll turn there quickly, you'll see it on the, on the screens as well. Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 through 5. Boy, you guys got real nervous when I said sexuality, so it's okay. Take a breath. <laughs> First um, Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 through 5, it says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Whose will is it? God. Say it out loud. Whose will is it? God. Adam McCain's will? God. Church on the Hill's will? God. It is God's will that you be sanctified. And it continues to clarify that. That you should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Not in passionate lust. It's whose will that you not have passionate lust like the heathen? Say it again. God's will. Uh, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. As we dive into this today, I, I think it would be uh, appropriate to kind of talk about where we've gone as a culture and how maybe we've gotten there. Um, when, major, um, when, and when, you know, when major businesses uh, promote transgender in their commercials uh, during the Olympics, you know we've gone a lot further than your grandparents uh, would ever have imagined, or your great grandparents, uh, when when we um, when 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 um, uh, every child has their own digital device that interacts with the internet, in which they can see any um, horrific act of sexual inappropriate behavior uh, at the palm of their hand, we have we have changed as a culture and as a society. I'd like to talk a little bit where that change started happening in, as I understand history and in the research that I've done, and, I, you know, I'm not a historian, but as, as, as I've understood it, um, you know, we talked about when it, when it came to evolution, how it, became, how it got its preeminence um, there um, in, in, our, in our culture uh, by attack, uh, going after the academic world and calling this science, that evolution was science and creationism was simply myth and, uh, and, and, and religion, and uh, we debunked that a good bit uh, a couple of weeks ago. Well, the same thing is true when it came to sexuality, and it all hinges on a man by the name of Alfred Kinsey. Everybody say Kinsey. Alfred Kinsey was, um, well, uh, uh, in the 1940s, became very popular and very um, 
influential. Alfred Kinsey he grew up uh, with um, what would then be, have been termed sexually deviant behavior uh, from um, uh, being a, a teenager with, um, with homosexual interactions and things like that. And so he had a bend towards what he called sexology. And so he began to do this study called sexology. He got a grant from the Rockefeller Foundation. And uh, he set up his uh, sexology study uh, at the University of Indiana. And uh, if you go back and study him, you can find these things to be much more in-depth than what I'll be able to bring out today. But um, his sexology research was his attempt to um, show that, um, that we were sexual beings and that, uh, that, that we needed to not be so um, controlled by the religious era of the day and not be prudes and that, um, and that quite honestly his research was going to prove that we were very sexual and that most families were very sexual and living outside of a heterosexual uh, relationship between a husband and a wife and that many, uh, most families had, uh, were involved in some type of adulterous affair. And he had this claim based on his, quote, research in the 1940s. Now, let, just, just get, get a flashback, a picture of what families looked like in the 1940s. Give them a couple pictures just to remind you. 1940s. Uh, <clears throat> if I could just make this statement, in the 1940s, everybody wore long underwear and never took them off. I mean, you know, I mean, just, it, I mean, just a totally different culture. I think for Kinsey to say these things was pretty radical, and I would even say to you has been debunked based on the qualification of his research. And uh, as you dive into that, you can find on YouTube, you'll find what Kinsey did was he uh, grabbed uh, groupings of people to come do his sex research. And he put them in environments where they were to have an adulterous uh, uh, sexual relationship in a, in a quarantine environment with someone else. And then he held that against them uh, so that they wouldn't go out and propagate that that was inappropriate simply because in our culture that was inappropriate. And so for, their, for them to keep their jobs, he held that over them. And you can find uh, YouTube uh, folks talking about this. Uh, he would take, um, uh, and then he would interview them as they're having sex with someone that's not their spouse. How do you feel about this? What is this? Are you enjoying this? And things like this. He would take uh, children uh, there's one particular uh, YouTube video that you can find uh, of this ga- lady who's much uh, older now in her 50s, 60s, 70s range. And her talking about how Alfred Kinsey and his research group had taken um, her grandfather and paid him thousands of dollars to have sex with her as a child, his granddaughter. And to ex- describe the experiences that they both were having and documenting it. And, uh, and it was being forced on her as a child. And in her YouTube, you know, uh, in, in, on YouTube, in her uh, documentation of what that happened how it messed up her life and how it, how, it, um, how it really destroyed who she was. And you find that this research that was so uh, prevalent and so powerful was quite skewed. And in fact, um, uh, Kinsley said that uh, 95% of Americans had deviant sexual behavior and that half of the women in the United States were not virgins when they got married in 1940 anyway, and, uh, and that he was, you need to know this about, he was a Darwinist, and because he was a Darwinist and an evolutionist, then he believed that our animalistic tendencies should not be hindered, they should not be conquered, but they should be released, because at the end of the day, there is no God, Darwinism, there is no, we weren't created by a God, and so therefore, we are sexual beings, because that's what's innocent, we should do what we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it, in fact, he didn't even, at the time, as we see now, uh, he didn't even say that we needed to be consenting adults to do these things. In fact, he was the one in his research that supposedly said that, uh, excuse me, that said in his research, he said that no real harm is done when someone is raped or molested. 
And what he did was he, he quote, researched 4,441 cases and did these interviews. And none of these 4,441 folks said that they were really damaged by being raped or being molested as a child. And, uh, and you have to understand, as the information came out much later, 20, 40, 50 years later, uh, it come to find out that he was researching uh, sexually, uh, 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 sexual criminals that were in prison and calling them his, his research group and that they were the average American, if you will. And so you co- as you research him and find out about him, he literally is the father of psychology today. What his research did was say, okay, this is what people are really experiencing. This is the truth. Get rid of that old stupid religion stuff, that old prudish stuff, and this is what people really are doing, and it's okay. And in those days, you got to understand, we had strong laws against sodomy, we had strong laws against uh, uh, incest and, uh, and, and sexual pieces in public and things like that, and we had strong laws against it. And his research, his, his proven uh, methods and proven ways were then able to, quote, turn what was law and what was right and became literally the premise for most of our psychology today. And if you're going to be a therapist, you'll end up studying his works because it is the foundational pieces from which everything else is deriving from the 1940s. And the reason why this is such a big, 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 big deal is that this man in and of himself was after the desire to destroy, if you will, God's way of doing things that was really what was inside of him and the desire that he wanted to bring out as far as sexuality goes. And so as, we, as you see that this thing takes root, then what happens is as the 1940s, then we go into the 1950s, uh, Hugh Hefter now is in a position to start Playboy and, uh, and, be, and begins to sell subscriptions like crazy where that never could have been done before. But we see the door opening to, to, uh, to the, the, the sexual transformation of our minds, our thoughts, and what's appropriate. From there, you see in the 1960s, the, uh, the sexual revolution. Some of you are still recovering from it. You know, all you guys that smoked, smoked uh, dope and got naked on the side of a mountain, grew your hair out, and, you know, and, and did drugs and Woodstock and all that stuff. And, uh, and you see that whole thing was able to just really take precedence here in the United States. And you, everybody's, you know, free sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And then you moved into the 70s. I don't know if you knew this, but in the 70s, the VHS porn movies came on the scene. For you guys that are younger, VHS was this um, big plastic thing, had reels in it like this, and you put it in. You say, well, you, you know, you say, oh, well, we know about that. We had a cassette player. No, we're talking about VHS. And the reason why this is such a big deal, because you've got to think about this, prior to us having our own ability to play movies on a VHS in our home, everyone had to go to the movie theater. Or as your grandparents said, the picture, the picture show. And they would go to the picture show, and, uh, and then you were really deviant, and only super perverts went to the little porn shows that were on certain cities like a New York or San Francisco or something like that. And so when the VHS came out, and they could, everyone had their own VHS player, then what happened was then uh, folks could get their, uh, their porn on their own VHS tape and play it in the privacy of their home as much and as, it, it, without anyone knowing about it. And so Mr. Banker Guy, who's an upstanding part of the community and part of the deacon board of the Baptist Church, can be looking at porn all he wants because it's in the privacy of his home and he can buy the VHS tapes. Come on, that's, that's 1970s. That came, came along. And then from there, what happened was the 1980s, what we see happen in the 1980s is strip clubs explode on the scene because now we've been watching it on video, we want to experience it a little bit more. There have always been brothels. There have always, there have always been you know, places with prostitution all into the ancient world and things like that. But now what we've got is acceptable strip clubs. In other words, we took what was a, a, a bar setting and a dance setting and we added 
added even more sexuality to it until now it's a strip club and people could go to that and that was beginning that became culturally acceptable and then in the 1994 one of the greatest things that could ever happen for the porn industry and for the perversion of the United States happened anybody know what happened in 1994 you don't know you don't know that the vice president at that time created the internet so the World Wide Web came about, 1994. So now all of a sudden, every bit, we all have connection to anything we want to see, anything that's going on out there. And so instead of your, uh, your, come on, you guys are my age, instead of your friend's house that had that giant antenna that you could point towards France to see all their nudie nudie shows, now you could go on the World Wide Web and you could, and you could see whatever you want to see, however you want to see it, and the porn industry took full advantage of that, of that moment and it really exploded on the scene. In fact, to the place in night, by the year of 2007, internet porn was a $57 billion a year industry. By 2007, the internet porn industry was a, was a $57 bu- billion in dollar industry. Let me kind of give you a, a, a premise of what $57 billion is. It's more money than ABC, NBC, and CBS make in a year. It's more money than the combined income of every professional football, basketball, baseball, and soccer teams combined. That's the kind of money we're talking about. Not only that, but $3 billion a year is made in the child pornography industry. It's illegal, and yet they still bring in $3 billion a year. 2.5 billion emails a day are pornographic. And the average age of a child's first exposure to internet porn is nine years old. The Juniper Research Group estimates that 136 billion porn videos were watched by Americans in 2015. Did you? 136 billion porno videos just in 2015 alone. The Bible says it like this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. It talks about rash and violent things. And it ends out that concept, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Guys, we're inundated in our society with sexual perversion. Now, as we dive into what God's word says about it, to bring clarity to it, I want to make this real Helpful understanding. When God the Father decided to send His only begotten Son to transform the world, He sent Him into the Greco-Roman culture. He sent Him into a time and a season where Greek had conquered most of the world, and then Romans had conquered them, and then they were all just one big happy group of Romans and Greeks. And they had permeated their doctrine, their philosophy, their everything about them to the whole the world that existed at the time. And when I tell you Romans and Greeks were perverts, friend, no internet porn could, have ju- could do justice for how perverted this, this group of people were. Uh, when we talk about uh, the Romans and the Greeks and their perversion, it was at a level, it, in fact, it was widely accepted uh, in Roman culture that most Roman families, because they had conquered all the known world, that most Roman families had, had, had multiple slaves. It was well accepted in a, in a daily practice to have sex with your slaves. It was a daily practice 
to have sex with your boy slaves or your girl slaves, either one, because in the Roman culture, there was supposed to be this, this uh, constraint about yourself, but when it came to your sexuality, to, if, as long as it was in private, that you could go as wild and as crazy as you wanted to. In fact, uh, um, uh, archaeologists have unearthed some of their, uh, some of their Roman um, sex rooms that they had built into their homes, and they had multiple rooms. Nero and, 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 and Tiberius. Tiberius created this whole, this whole uh, area in his, in his city where it was nothing more than a, than, than a, than a, a sex, a, a sex uh, house where they would take young boys and young girls and, and, and have them have sexual relationships in front of him and then he would participate with them. Uh, you talk about a perversion at a height that I can't even describe in this gathering because I know you little virgin ears can't hear all that. But what I want to do today is I want you to understand a great understanding. When God himself wanted to bring his solution to the world's problems through Jesus Christ to the planet, he didn't pick the most moral season in the history of the world. Come on, somebody. He picked a time of perversion and wickedness. Why? Because light expels darkness. Because when we're hurting, we need something to help us. Come on, somebody. And the King of kings and the Lord of lords came in on the scene. And friend, I want you to know that though we may be one of the most sexually deviant seasons in the history of America, that God is still on the throne and that he's got a solution for what ails us. Isn't that good? Say yes. And so, unlike other preachers, I, I'm not in this thing to try to embarrass you or humiliate you. In fact, I would be dumbfounded if somehow sexuality and perversion had not attached itself or, or affected your life in some kind of way for every person alive and in this room today. I would be dumbfounded. In fact, I'm the only man out of all the men in my family not to cheat on my wife. I would love to say it's because I'm so holy and so amazing and I'm never tempted, friend, just the opposite. I had a generational curse on me and that had to be broken. And it is but by his grace and his power that he's kept me from my own sinful ways. Are you with me? Say yes. And as we look into these holy scriptures, I want you to understand, I don't, it doesn't really matter what culture says. It doesn't really matter what, 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 what media says or even the scientific field says. It matters what God says. We are Christians. We are believers. And so my number one goal today was to help shine the light on what his truth is and how he sees it. Friend, you can take the scriptures and you can manipulate it to do whatever you want it to do. But or you can surrender yourself to his holy word to become who he wants you to become. And I promise you, you will be everything he wants you to be when you and I surrender to his truth and truth will set you free. Isn't that good? Say yes. Amen. And so it's with great uh, respect that I dive into these pieces of scripture and with all love and concern. And as we look into the scriptures, as we, uh, most of the epistles cover sexuality in a warning. You say, well, that, isn't that strange? Why wouldn't they just say, y'all need to read your Bible more? And man, I tell you, the epistles go straight into what ails the, the church community in that era. And remember, what era is the church community being birthed in? The church as we know it? Into the most perversion season of Roman and Greek history. And the church is being born into that. And so the problem wouldn't be so great if Paul wasn't winning Gentiles to Jesus. Because the Jews, they knew what was morally accepted by the living God because they had served him generation after generation after generation. They had been rebellious, but they had served him. They at least had a moral code. Well, all these Gentiles didn't. The Corinthians were about as perverted as they come. They were a seaport city. You think about seaport cities in Asia and different places. All you guys in the Navy, when y'all pull into a seaport city before you were Christian, y'all know what y'all went out and did. And so that's exactly what Corinth was. And so, so literally, the, 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 the leaders of the church are having to say, wait a minute, let me deal with sexuality. And we should be doing the same in this generation as well. 
So let's turn to a couple passages, if you don't mind. 1 Corinthians 5 is one of my favorites in dealing with sexuality. And I just want to give you a little bit of hope. You know what? If they were dealing with it in the early church, we're going to still be dealing with it in the latter church. Come on, somebody. If they're, if they're suffering with their own flesh, you and I are going to have to suffer through our own flesh and overcome. If they've, if they've had struggles, we're going to have struggles, but we will overcome. Isn't that good? 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 1 and 2, he said, It's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that does not occur even among the pagans. A man has his father's wife, and you're proud. He puts an exclamation mark. Paul is fired up. He said, listen, I brought y'all to Jesus, and you held on to all your old stinking ways and all this perversion. Come on, now you got a guy all up in your leadership, and he's having sex with his mama or his stepmama, depending on what you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, person you believe has as they translate that that situation either way how dare him do that listen that's your old way put that behind you he's not saying that you can no longer exist in the body of believers he's saying listen that's your old way put that behind you in fact it was at such a point as all of these gentiles were getting saved and even some of these jews that have been away from the torah and the teachings of the law for so long he's, they literally are having to in the new testament bring back what is right and what is wrong and literally they are clearing up the blurred lines even throughout the epistles and let me take you to another passage look at galatians chapter 5 verse 19 galatians 5:19 i'm moving fast because of time i want to be honorable to you it says the acts of the sinful nature are obvious the acts of what Say it with me. The acts of the what? Sinful nature. And they are what? They are obvious. And he starts listing them out. And he starts with the sexual ones. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. And let me identify what that means for you. Sexual immorality is that, is that, uh, that Greek word. Um, it's pornea. It's where we get the word pornography, but it's not just talking about pornography here. That word right there is talking about everything outside of a heterosexual relationship um, that's within marriage. So uh, premarital sex... Um, um, homosexual sex, um, you know, any of the other creepy stuff that we're going to stop right there, and all these other pieces. It's covering that. And so it's saying literally the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. They're acts of what? Sinful nature. So he starts with the acts of that, and then he moves into impurity. So impurity, what he's talking about is the thoughts of the mind. That's what Jesus said, if you've looked upon a woman lustfully, you already committed that sin in your heart. And so he's talking about, then he goes into impurity, which is the act, he calls that acts of the sinful nature. And then he goes on to debauchery. And debauchery would be, uh, in our generation, probably more like a transgender uh, flaunting and things like that. that had, debauchery had more of a orgies and things out in the public and things that were perverted like that. And he continues on, he says, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord. Listen, I am so sorry that a lot of preachers want to preach about the sexual stuff. It's, it's, it's an abomination. Yeah, okay. But witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, doggone you, and all these other things, a selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, Paul's not using this as a battering ram. Paul's saying, hey, Christians, hey, people who love God, you're in a perverted world. It's all over you. And, and probably because it's so confusing, what everybody's preaching and teaching and living, let me help you identify your own sinful nature. Your own stuff, bro. He says these things, you've you got to get out of them. Because if you continue living in them, you can't inherit the kingdom of God. Now let me help you with your doctrine a little bit. 
See, we are Christians. If you're Christian, say yes. We sin. We fall into our sinful nature at times, do we not? So does that mean we're not going to inherit the kingdom of God? No, no, no. There's a difference. And, and, and it's qualified in the understanding of the scripture. But let me just explain it instead of going through all the Greek words. See, you and I as Christians, we are sin prone, not sin committed. And what he's talking about here is being sin committed to these things. Like, I don't care what you say. I'm going to watch all the porn I want. Call myself grace. Grace and mercy. Fits of rage, I just can't help it. They push my buttons. You are committed to that instead of, look, hey, I fell into that. I looked at porn last night. I want to repent. Just love Jesus. He's so good. You know, I had a homosexual uh, sense come about me, and I went and kissed another man or another woman. I just, man, I don't want to be that. I just want to be God's man. I want to be God's woman. That's the difference. And when you take it and you misappropriate these passages in front of folks, you only drive them further from us and from the Lord. And he's saying, listen, he says, listen, you have these tendencies because each and every one of us have a sin nature, don't we? We were born with it. And every day we're supposed to uh, crucify that sin nature. If you'll keep reading, I stop right there at, uh, at, at verse uh, 21 right there, but if you'll keep reading verses 22 and 20, he doesn't just tell you what your sin nature is like. He says, but instead of giving yourself over to your sin nature, why don't you walk by the Spirit? And when you walk by the Spirit, you have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. He's saying, listen, really, and this is the problem with most preaching, is they want to tell you bad, 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 bad. Friend, I know I'm bad. Because I'm bad. No, anyway, I, I know that, that I have, I know I have a sin nature. You don't have to tell a person in the church who's struggling with homosexuality, it's bad. They know it. They want somebody to help. That's why they've had to say, listen, friend, then God must have made me that way because I can't stop it. Because no one's then taught them. Listen, Paul's just lining out what is wrong because they don't know. They've forgotten about sin. And they started justifying it. And so he's saying, no, sir. No, you better not. Because if you commit yourself to this, then you've uncommitted yourself to the Lord. And then I promise you, you cannot inherit heaven. It won't be yours. Oh, but friend, though you and I slip and fall and stumble and get back up and say, I'm such an idiot. God embraces us as his sons and daughters and loves us. See, sanctification is a term that we in the Christian leadership use a lot. And the Bible talks about sanctification is the transforming of you from who you've been to be like Christ. That's a process. When I got saved, I didn't forget to how to roll a joint. Oh, my God, I can't remember. Do you? I don't know. I, I just cannot remember. And just because a person gets saved, whether they've been in homosexuality, whether they had fits of rage, whether they've been in adulterous affairs, they don't forget those people's numbers. It's it like isn't in my phone anymore. Thank you, Lord. There's this process of sanctification. We'll talk about next week how we interact with those who are hurting around us. We'll talk about the real love of God. But today we needed to clear up what truth is. Because, because people who did not want to surrender themselves completely to the Holy Spirit, people who didn't want to surrender to the Word of God, have then justified their sinfulness by saying, then God either made me this way or God doesn't really see it this way, and have justified scriptures. Well, I'm going to go through a couple more scriptures, and he didn't change his mind, I promise you. Look at Romans chapter 13 and verse 13. It said, let us behave decently 
as in the daytime. Not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Instead of being like that, what should we do? Clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. That's part of the problem. You're sitting there longing about getting your groove on. And so as a result of that, you're going to fulfill that sinful nature. And that's why the Bible talks about taking thought, taking captive every high thought that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. I'm just giving you a little coaching here. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, and verse 3, through three, just verse 3. It says, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed. Ooh, come on preachers, preach the whole verse. <laughs> or of greed, because these are what? Everybody say it with me, improper. Say it again, they are improper for who? God's holy people, because you're his people. You're his people, man. And then look at Colossians 3, 5, and 7. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. It belongs to your what? Earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Now, I want to help you with that, because I, I hear preachers do this often. Because the wrath of God is coming. Uh, that's not really the intent of how that's being brought out. What's actually a better intent of this passage is, listen, you need to put away those sinfulness because you know that already marked, already on the calendar is God's judgment. It's on, it's on the calendar, so it's coming. So, friend, listen, clean that up because, because, listen, because that's coming. Not because you did that today, the wrath of God is looking. Well, there it is. Got you again. Do I dare you. I dare you. I'm going to cause your car to break down on the side of the road. Do it. I'm going to cause your baby to die in the womb because you were perverted looking at porn. This is the lies of the enemy, the manipulation of God's intent and his holy word. What he's saying is, listen, guys, the wrath of God, it's already listed in Scripture where the wrath of God's going to be poured out, how it's going to be poured out. And it's not poured out on us who are believers. It's poured out on those who who've said, no, I don't want you, God. F you, out with you. I don't care about you. And the wrath of God has been set into place. In other words, he's going to judge that. And so Paul says, hey, 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 listen, that's on the books. Let's get this right. That's a totally different concept than you know what you did last night, and the wrath of God is on you now. There's a difference in that understanding and so I want you to clean that up because you have literally had problems within your life. Mad at God. I've met so many people who've walked away from God because of their sin. They thought that it created this other thing. And as a result, God has damned them and hurt them and never wants to be with them ever again, especially when it comes to the sexual realm and the difficulties that we all struggle with sexually. Let's continue reading that piece, though. It says, it says uh, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of such things. I think it's pretty clear that God has a good plan for us, a wonderful plan. He wants us to rid ourselves of that. He wants us to take a, Listen, friend, we live in the culture of it. It's in the same culture of the New Testament church. This is to Christians. These passages are to Christians. Like, I love you. I'm trying to help you get rid of this. Come out of your adulterous affair. Get out of that. Go ahead and get married. And you stop living like this and come under God's blessing that he has for you because this is immoral and it's improper and God has a better way for you and he wants to bless you in it. I actually would like to take a moment. One of our leaders was, was bold enough and courageous enough to help tell her story a little bit. I think it'll help you a little bit today. Won't you play that real quick? 
Hey, I'm sitting here with Misty Went, and I am so proud of this girl. She's an awesome leader in our church, an amazing woman of God. And uh, her life is pretty powerful, but it hadn't always been that way. Uh, Misty, uh, years ago, found herself in um, homosexuality. And Misty, I just want to start by, tell us how, you, how that happened. Tell us how you got that process started in your life. Well, Pastor, I'd always grown up in church and loved the Lord from a very young age. And about uh, 10 years old, I had a very horrific thing happen to me. I was abused uh, for about six months from a male and a female, both physically, sexually, and emotionally. Um, and it kind of just started a destructive pattern in my life because I didn't really know how to react from it. You were just a kid. It. You were like 10 years old, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, I got labeled that everybody forgot about the male part and only focused on the fact that a female abused me and I got labeled as a lesbian as from a child a young age you know wow. and growing up through junior high and high school mm. was just torturous wow. I mean people would just torture me and do things that were just horrible because small town small town thinking so surely you know you're you're a terrible person and right. and then even to the place uh, I think you told me earlier where where kids couldn't come over and spend the night with you no not even at church you know our pastors were like yeah don't send your daughter over there we don't want her to harm our child like you know she's been harmed because they would they would fear that you would play play out what right. had happened to you with some of these other right. young girls in in the church and so forth and that just pushed you even further away from yeah. any real connection with the body of christ right through that whole process i mean you you dated guys yeah you, i had a, a boyfriend for a long time yeah but they're they're still labeling you that is yeah and that, at least that's how you saw it right yeah and so then you went through high school like that and then and then what transpired is High school came to an end. Um, high school came to an end, and uh, my parents were going to a different church than I was. And, you know, part of their leadership direction was you need to cut ties with her until she gets rid of the sin. Because they thought you were involved in lesbian. They thought I was. And you were never in a lesbian never relationship. Never in a lesbian relationship. Wow. So, um, I mean, at that point, I lost my car, my place to live, my, wow. like everything. So your parents cut you Except off. Except for my job. <laughs> they cut you off thinking that would somehow bring you into yep. repentance or something yep. like that. Um, and, uh so finally, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go figure out what it is because everybody says I am, so I might as well figure out what it is. Wow. And, you know, lo and behold, a week later, I had a girlfriend. And, uh, you know, that lasted a couple months until I got into my long-term relationship with the other person. And, um, and we you were, were together for almost yeah. four years. Wow. So. House together. Yep, cars, cars together, together, everything. Everything. Yep. And, uh, and would have continued on that pathway. Probably, if not God. But God. So tell me that part. What happened then? I uh, went to a women's conference with my mom in uh, Cape Cod. What do you Cod. mean you went to a women's conference? So your mom calls you up and says, hey, I want you to come to this it conference. It was a season we were trying to rekindle our relationship. Mm. And she did it because there was a prophetic person coming, and she knew that I really loved listening to prophetic people. So you've always longed for the voice of God. Oh, through yeah. all this process of being in this lesbian relationship and going through all this hardship, did you ever stop loving God? Never stopped loving God. Was certainly angry at him at some points. Yeah. But never stopped loving him. You, you, you went to this conference, and this prophet just, just nailed you. Totally. Um, and said, I see you're a lesbian. No, did not. Right? Did not, because the, the prophetic is to edification, comfort. That's right. So um, totally read my mail, though. Read everything about my life. Talked about the call of God in my life. Mm. Brought that out, where the enemy had tried to convince me that I had no place to do it anymore that you destroyed you destroyed it so far yeah. you can never come back to the plan that like God you has knew for the you. plan god had for you mm -hmm. you knew how powerful mm -hmm. Boy, it was and you blew it and uh wow. but at the end of the prophecy like she was stopping and was like but i see a door that's closing mm -hmm. and it's being shut 
and you're never to return. You're, you're gonna look back and it's gonna cause you to stumble. But by the end of the conference, I had given my ring, because I mean, we had rings. I mean, yeah. I considered her my wife mm. um, to the pastor who I didn't even trust or like. Yeah. And I said, I, I don't know why I'm giving you this, but I feel like it's wrong to wear it. Wow. And went home and broke that off. Couldn't, yeah. Try to try to get start getting back involved in yeah. in, in God and church life, and yeah. it wasn't an easy task. Was it, it was not an easy task because just as much as the church has labeled me, I had labeled myself. Wow. And people don't realize when we give our heart and we give our bodies to somebody that's never meant for us to be in a relationship with, mm-hmm. we've now given them lordship over yeah. an area of our life. That's God's job. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's saying, God, I don't trust you here. I trust them here more than I trust you. You know, we were talking earlier. One of the best bits of advice or wisdom I think you gave to me, and, and I know this is a truth, but that I think could really be brought out here for people, my friends who are struggling with their sexuality, is that it's a journey. Yeah. It's a fight. And I've had so many friends say, well, if God really loves me, and this ain't God's will for my life, mm-hmm. that's how they'll say, ain't God's will for my life, then why don't he take it away from me, these desires? And uh, how would you speak to that? I mean, why did he just wave a magic wand and make it all go away? What did you experience? Well, it's a process to make you believe that lie, so it's a process to unwind that lie. That's true. I think that's a good point for people to know, too. You know, I love you so much, and I'm so proud of you. you. And you're a daughter in the faith to Jamie and I. And um, thank you for sharing your story. I think it'll help a lot of us. Now that we're at this place, what do we do? I'll give you a couple thoughts. Number one, we should embrace God's truth again. That adulterous affair you're having, it's sin. You need to embrace the truth of that. That addiction to pornography that just dominates your life, it's sin. Homosexuality that you're acting on, it's sin. I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm just trying to point out to you what the scripture says. If you can embrace truth, then the Bible says truth can set you free, can help you, help me. Um, help me when I was so d- just in my mind, controlled with all, the, I didn't grow up a Christian, so all the porn and all the stuff I'd seen and just needed God to clean that out. I didn't want to be that guy. And I had to accept the fact that I had been that guy. God cleaned it up. Number two, you need to put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. That's what Colossians 3 said. Put it to death. And just put it to death. Uh, You know, uh, I tell folks all the time, man, just, you know, block the Internet off your phone. Don't don't return that text message. Make a change. Do whatever it takes to put that to death. And then the last piece is that is keep in step with the Holy Spirit. You know, we always point about what we um, are struggling with, but I think Paul was very clear in this Galatians 5. He says, I'm going to point out to you what is your sinful nature, because you obviously have forgotten. I mean, he's having to do this in Corinthians, where he's saying, hey, listen, obviously, you guys don't know what it is to really serve the Lord, that you've got a guy like this, a dude up in, up in the house of God, and what I mean by the house, not the building, but in the communal living, and you guys are promoting him, and he's in sexual sin. And, um, and so, so what Paul is doing is he's pointing out what, what, what's not right. The scriptures are pointing out what's not right. And then pointing to us for the power of the Holy Spirit to walk it out. I want to tell you something. 
I could not have overcome all the junk in my background by just being a good dude. Those things call to you in the night. Come on, you guys that did, that, that did heroin and cocaine, you know what I'm talking about, serving God the best you can, and one night you wake up in a cold sweat and the thing starts calling to you. And that's why we've got to have the Holy Spirit living and abiding in us. And that's why we in this church believe not only in the regeneration power of the Holy Spirit in our life, but the empowerment to overcome. That's why we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit as the scripture lays it out. If you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you had not had that experience. The moment I got baptized in the Spirit, it was amazing the power that I had over my own sinful nature. It was amazing that temptation would come when before I could not stop falling to it, and now I had power to overcome it. I encourage you to look into that. Get with your small group leader. If you're a small group leader in the room, would you just raise your hand? As we go to close today, look at all these hands. Pastor, anyone, leaders, amen. You raise your hand, put your hands down. As we go to close today, I'm going to say a prayer over us that God would help us with our own fleshly sinfulness. Thank Him for revealing truth to us out of His holy word. You can go search His own word. If, you, if you're struggling with any of this, search the word for yourself. See what you find. Don't, don't manipulate it to fit what you want. Find what it says. And surrender yourself to it, which is what I've done. And then I would ask that that you and I would stop being so weirded out that we all struggle with something sexual. Just get free from that. I'm free from it as your pastor. I don't look at you like you big pervert. I know you're looking at something. You're looking at me, you little pervert. You know, I'm not. I understand not only what the, what the New Testament church was going through, but what you and I are going through. And I embrace the answer. Jesus Christ living in a by taking on Jesus putting on Jesus and then allowing his Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me away from the temptations that I'm readily running to the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome my own sinful nature I'm not living in fear that I might trip up and thereby be rejected by the living God that's dead religion and I'm so sorry that some of you grew up in that but I pray that today's brought liberation to you would you stand with me all across the room and here's what I want to do I want to close this in prayer I've gone way too long you, you waited in this for the first service to end up for me to shut up but you can tell it's a very I'm very passionate about this because let me just say it like this because I've had to confront confront four pastors that were in sexual adulterous sin I've had to remove multiple pastors because because I had to sit with their wives and their kids with tears coming down their cheek because I had to sit there with someone I love deeply they got so confused about their sexuality and was trying bisexuality and homosexuality because I, I had to talk with that, that kid who thought maybe I should mutilate my body because I wasn't supposed to be born this way. So yeah, I'm very passionate. Maybe a little long-winded today. But because I know what ails us, but I also know who fixes us. But you just join hands with that person next to you. We're going to close in this kind of prayer. And I want you to I want you to allow God to love you right now. I want you to allow God to help you crucify your flesh, to take on Jesus, to come out of fear that you're some horrible, secret, sexual pervert. Allow God to cleanse your mind. Start this process. Remember, sanctification is a process. And to know that you are greatly loved, not only by your God, by your pastors, and by your church family. And it's a safe environment to work this thing out.
crucify the flesh. Father, I pray right now for every man and woman in our church, every man and woman who loves you, God. They didn't come here because they didn't love you. Lord, they came here because they wanted more of you. Lord, do you not have the power to help us? Are we destined? Are we destined to these issues, oh God? Surely not. Oh, but praise be to God. And I thank you right now, Lord, that you're filling us with the Holy Spirit afresh. I pray not only for an infeeling, but a baptismo, a supernatural power that would overcome and transform and do something so powerful that our flesh totally submits, our sinful nature just totally submits as the Spirit of God leads us to the man or woman of God we're called to be, the precious woman of God, the amazing man of God. Father, I thank you right now that, Lord Jesus, all titles and brandings, even that we've done to ourselves, oh God, look at every person that we joined in and say, oh, we're part of this community. And, oh, no, I must be like this. I'm a part of this. No, no, no. We'll come back and join the right community, and that is the followers of Jesus Christ. And, Father, we submit ourselves to you. We don't try to maneuver truth to what we want it to be. We just find it in your Holy Scriptures and submit it to it. Submit ourselves to it. We love you, God. We bless you. We ask you to be at work in this place like never before. It's in the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen.